There's so many studies that show that when you trust your team, you perform better. You have less anxiety, your mental health is better. And so building trust remotely requires transparency and vulnerability. So this looks like keeping your team in the know. Welcome to Hiring School, a weekly podcast about recruiting for non-recruiters. I'm Jackie Koch, and I have over 15 years of experience prospecting talent and building teams for Fortune 500 companies, startups, and small businesses in all different types of industries. I'm the founder and CEO of People Principles, where I help founders scale and lead their teams with programs, courses, and boutique agency services. My goal is to simplify the hiring and team building process so that you, founders, and not so solopreneurs, can implement modern, effective, and efficient hiring strategies that help you build the team that you want to help you scale. If you can't seem to find the right job candidates or simply don't know where to start, you're in the right place. Now let's get started. Hey, hey, welcome back to Hiring School, a weekly podcast all about hiring and recruiting and leading teams. And today we are talking about a very trending topic. Feels like everywhere you turn, there is some article talking about remote work versus office culture or office work or hybrid work or people complaining that they have to go back to an office and then people complaining that they want to go back to an office because they hate working from home. It's like you can't get away from it. And I believe that a version of hybrid work is here to stay. And that is a blend of office and remote work. I believe that is our new normal for many roles and many companies. It doesn't mean it's the right answer for everyone, but definitely something that is going to be here to stay. And so I wanted to start out by sharing something that I found interesting. And it was a study about remote work that was actually done before the pandemic. So pre-pandemic study by OWL Labs and Global Workplace Analytics. And it showed that companies that allow some form of remote work had 25% less turnover than companies that did not allow for it. It also showed that 13% of employees were more likely to stay at their current job for the next five years. And so that was before the pandemic, before everybody literally got a taste of what it was like. And so now, of course, it's accelerated even more, this concept of remote work. And so those numbers have got to be higher. I'm sure I could find another study that has some different numbers. But what I think is interesting about that is even before the pandemic, before all the extra things that came into play, remote work was on the rise. And it was something that I think was going to happen no matter what. And it just went a lot faster. And so there's some obvious reasons for remote work flexibility, no commute, less costs because you don't have to commute, less distractions than at an office. People feel like they can concentrate more. But I think there's some other important reasons that go less discussed right now. And they're less talked about in this debate remote versus office work. And so remote work also means that 
you know, you're not going to lose an employee if they have to move for a reason, right? Like a lot of times before people would have to move because their spouse got a job or a family member is ill or they have a family and they want to be closer to their family. People would leave, right? They would leave their employer because of that, because they had they could no longer make the commuter or, or were not going to live in the area where their office was. And so now an employee if they're working remote, can relocate and keep doing their exact same job with really no impact. You know, the only thing, I mean, there's things and we're going to talk about it, but time zones and obviously not seeing them and, and all of that can have a factor. But if they've already been working for you and they're doing a great job, I feel like it would be a no brainer to keep them before and especially now. So definitely something that's here to stay and not I think it's worth noting that, you know, not every job can be done remotely, right? If you're a service-based business or there's just some roles that cannot move to remote, but a lot of them can, especially if it's a knowledge-based job. And so companies are trying to figure out how to create a, a great remote work culture and figuring out how to create a collaborative and inclusive and a connected work environment when you're not all together in an office is something that quite candidly, all of us are trying to figure out. So at the beginning of the pandemic, a lot of companies were forced to move quickly into remote work and just tried to, you know, within three days a week, we had to figure out how to replicate our business with our whole team working remotely. And a lot of times you just tried to replicate office culture in a remote setting and some of it's worked and some of it hasn't, you know, in my experience, you know, like I, I just mentioned, I was an executive leading HR at a company and it was hard. It was stressful. Thankfully we had our whole tech team. So our engineering team was entirely remote. And so we had some of the stuff in place already. It wasn't as hard for us as a lot of people, but it definitely was a struggle. And a lot of people looked to me to figure it out because I was leading HR. And I got to tell you, I had never worked in a remote role before. So it was like very overwhelming to me. It was hard. It was a lot to take in and digest. And it was easier to just like try to replicate what we did in an office remote. And it worked for a while, but then people got burnt out. And so we had to make some big adjustments and we didn't do everything great. And so over the last two years, I've really been reading and and learning about how to build a remote culture intentionally. And I wanted to share some of that stuff with you and some of the things I would do differently now if I was trying to transition a team to remote and also some of the things that I'm going to implement when I do grow a team and grow, I'm going to grow a remote team. And so these are some of the things I'm going to implement. And the first thing that I just want to share is that you have to be intentional about it. It doesn't just happen, right? You have to be intentional and there's some prep and some thought that needs to go into it specifically around how your team communicates, how you make decisions, how you collaborate, how you build trust with one another, all of that stuff really, I don't want to say you took it for, I mean, candidly, office cultures didn't do a lot of this stuff well, even when you were in person. So the fact that it was easier in person is true, but also 
let's be real. There's very few companies that have an amazing culture as it relates to those things. So what a great opportunity for us to do it intentionally. I think what happened in my experience and and what a lot of companies do is they jump to like, what are the platforms we're going to use to stay connected? Let's get Slack. We're going to, you know, use G Suite and we're going to do shared documents. We're going to use Asana. We're going to use ClickUp. They move into all of the platforms and the technology that support it, but they don't really create a plan for how we're going to use it. And so let's dig into that a little bit. I guess the first thing I'm going to say is you can't just like Google what a great remote work culture is and implement it into your organization. Every company is different and requires their own versions. And so you can go through and read what they do and then figure out, okay, how could I imply this to my business or what should I do in my business? But I do think the most important thing you do is think about communication and do this with your team. So as a team, decide and document how you're going to communicate, create agreements around communication, a protocol around communication. What it does this guideline, you know, protocol communication or protocol guideline agreement, whatever you want to call it, it should describe the different modes of communication that you have. So like Slack or, or IMs, email, phone, text messages, Boxer, meetings, other tools that you use that are like project management platforms or, or other, think of all the tools that you can tag someone in, right? That's a form of communication. Like outline what those are and then how are you going to use each of them? What is the purpose for each of them? And outline what things should go in a chat, what things should go in an email. When is it appropriate to be like, hey, can we hop on a call or or text somebody? Define what those are together. And you want to default to asynchronous work. It's such a buzzword, but I don't have another word for it. But define how you're going to communicate things that don't require immediate responses. The majority of the work we do does not require immediate responses, but everyone is so connected that they get something and they get distracted and they answer it or they're like, oh my gosh, this is urgent. So they stop working on a really, you know, deep thought project to answer this question that could have been, you know, responded tomorrow when they're going through their inbox, you know, so define and write down and document how you're going to use all of those different things. Also define, are you going to require cameras on for virtual meetings? I would say yes. And be explicit about it. Be explicit about when it's okay to not use your camera. Make sure people are talking about that because it, I don't know about you, but it's always weird when you like join a meeting and someone has their camera off and you're like, are you paying attention? Are you like, I don't really care where you're working, right? But like, I want to know you're engaged in the conversation with me, right? And it's hard to do when you don't have a camera on. And so do this together. I always recommend building this with your team. The more input they have in it, the more easily they're going to be bought into following it, right? And hold each other accountable to it. So if you already have a team, build it with them. If you don't, come up with it yourself and share it with your new team members when they join. It's an evolution, right? As Whenever you add a new team member to the, to the mix, you may have to revisit it and be like, okay, does this still make sense? The way that we communicate, you know, how you work with a team of one, when you can probably just text message each other and voice note each other things back and forth, probably doesn't work when you're a team of five anymore. So you may have to iterate on this, but 
write it down and document it and talk about it. So that's the first step to communication. The second is you really need to create visibility across teams. You can't just go over to your coworker and ask them a question or there's so much that's absorbed when you're in an office and you hear stuff going on. I used to learn so much. That's how I kept up with what was going on in the business just from being around and hearing what the sales team was talking about and hearing what the marketing team was talking about. And oh my gosh, the supply chain issues I would hear, you know, you that would come up. It's like you felt like you knew what was going on. So you didn't need as many meetings or conversations, but that changes when you're not in an office, right? You can't absorb through osmosis anymore. And so creating visibility when you're all virtual is so critical and it takes a lot more intention. You know, you can create a digital handbook with ways of doing things. Make sure that you have, you know, if your team is fairly large, like is there an org chart somewhere that shows who reports to who, job titles, contact info, have regular meetings. And you'll hear this called all hands in the world of startups. And so that's, you know, a weekly, a biweekly, a monthly meeting where everyone gets together and you talk about, you know, what's coming up with different functions of the business, what's exciting, updates on different departments. If you have a small team, you probably can get rid of the all hands and just skip to this. If you have a large team, you should do all hands and then have your smaller teams within the bigger organization do this as well. And that is do stand-ups. And so this, I can't remember what company, it was from the Silicon Valley, but essentially a stand-up meeting got its name because it's supposed to be so short that you could do it all standing up. So you would actually get into, you would go get a coffee in the break room, right? And you would say, okay, this is what I'm working on today. This is what I need help from you today. I need support from this team member in order to get this across the line. And you would just kind of share what you were working on that day so that everybody knew And they could be like, oh yeah, I owe you this. So you can finish this. You know, it's not a, what are you doing today? Big brother type of a situation, but it's more where you're all talking about it so that it prompts somebody to be like, oh crap, you asked me for that. I need to get that to you today because that's what you're working on. Or, hey, I can help you with this. Or, hey, I've been waiting on you for this. I'm glad to know you're working on it, right? And so that's what the stand-up meeting is for. You can do it daily. You can do it weekly. You could bookend the week. So start out with Monday. What's on the agenda for the week? What do you need help from the team for? And on Friday mornings, be like, okay, did you get it done? Why or why not? What are the roadblocks? How can we help situation? And so that is a great way to keep everybody on the same page. If you don't want to have a video call about it, You could have a Slack channel. You could have a a shared document that everybody writes on at the beginning and end of the week. I personally think hopping on a quick Zoom and doing it together is just a great way to like connect with your team, but keeping everybody in the know so that you can keep moving the needle forward on projects is huge. And then set up core working hours. If there is a lot of work that has to happen together. So that would be what's called like synchronous work, right? Like I need to be working on this with you in real time. Set up core working hours. Decide on a window of time during the week or the day that everyone will be online and available for meetings. So, you know, maybe that's every day between 10 and 1 is when you know you can expect to have meetings put on your calendar 
be available to connect with your teammates, all of that. And then the rest of your work hours can be flexed around that. 10 to 1 Pacific works around Central Time, right? It also works around Eastern. So be mindful of that. You wouldn't want core hours to be from 1 to 4 Pacific because that would be way into the evening on Eastern hours, right? So decide a time that works for different time zones. Or maybe you don't need it every day. Maybe it's two days a week. Maybe it's three days a week. Maybe it's one day a week. You can decide how much time you guys need together and then allow your team to have flex hours around those, but set them up so that everybody knows. Everybody knows what's expected, right? That's the biggest piece for sure. And then get the team together quarterly or semi-annually and spend time together in person. You know, there's nothing that beats, you know, the, the energy exchange, the actual human, if you get all woo, there's like a chemical exchange, right? That you have when you're with people in person, like nothing beats that. And so find time to get together, whether it's quarterly or twice a year, fly everyone to the same place and spend that time doing planning, working through projects together, do some of that, but then also weave in team building and fun. It's a time for you all to really get to know each other and have your team help build your agenda. What do they want to do? What would bring them closer? What's something fun you could do together? Really work on it together and enroll your team in that because again, the more they help support creating it, the more they're going to enjoy doing it, right? Nobody likes to just have things dictated to them. They like to be a part of it. And so getting together regularly, and if you all live together in the same city, maybe you don't live together, but you live in the same city, get together once a month, go get dinner, go get lunch. There's a lot of things you can do to get together. And I would just say like, don't make it just be about work, make it fun. You don't get to do as many of those things socializing as you do in the office, right? So, so make sure you build some of that in. And so those tips cover collaboration, communication. I haven't really gone into a lot of the platforms, but there's so many different platforms out there you can use. And so get to know them and, and implement some, them some into your workflows, right? Where you guys can communicate on open systems. Google Docs is a great, shared documents are a great place, as well as project management software, forms. You know, there's lots of things you can do. So Building trust is the next thing I want to talk about. And that it's one of the most important things that you can do as a leader in your business, in the team, right? There's so many studies that show that when you trust your team, you perform better. You have less anxiety, your mental health is better. And so building trust remotely requires transparency and vulnerability. So this looks like keeping your team in the know. Over-communicate. I... I cannot stress this enough. If you could see my notes on this, they are in caps. Over-communicate. Feel like a broken record. <laughs> Aim to share the same message. Like if something new is happening in the business, you're rolling something out. There's a new project. There's a new client. Aim to share the same message in at least three to five different ways. So share it in Slack. Also share it in a meeting. Put it in an email. Share it during a one-on-one. -on -one. Make sure that you're sharing the same message multiple, 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 multiple times because maybe someone wasn't paying attention when you mentioned it in the meeting. God forbid they don't pay attention for five minutes, right? And they missed it. Maybe they didn't have a chance to check Slack that day or their email is just out of control and they missed it. 
share the same message multiple times, over-communicate, become a broken record, and keep your team in the loop ahead of things. For example, if there's a new hire starting, make sure they know about it before the person's start date. You know, it doesn't seem like it's a big deal, but when they find out about things after they happen, they start to wonder like, what else is happening that I don't know about? What else am I going to find out about after the fact? Like, what if I had an opinion on that? And not that, you know, everything needs to have everyone's buy-in, but they want to feel safe. They want to feel in the know. And so keeping them in the loop of everything, especially when they're positive, will help them handle things that go wrong easier. It just helps build trust when they know things are going on ahead of time, when they're in the loop, they feel like they know a lot. Um, It helps them handle when things don't go well. Or when you have negative feedback or information to share, they can handle it better because they trust that you've got their back. And so over, over communicate, keep them in the know. I think it's huge to make sure your calendars are public so that someone can look at your calendar and book something, keep things very transparent as much as you can and be vulnerable. Ask for feedback regularly from your team. Ask them to give feedback to you. Give them feedback. Tell them to give feedback to each other. Like be vulnerable. And then when you ask for feedback, act on it. Talk about it. And just really keep that transparency going. It is huge for building trust. And do what you say you're going to do. Follow up when you say you're going to. If you ask someone to give you something by a deadline, follow up on that day and be like, hey, where is this? Like, it's not you being annoying. It's you building that trust. You building that communication loop, right? So that is huge for building trust. And building trust is, is all about transparency and vulnerability. And then the last thing with building a remote work culture is you have to hire for people who have skills to do remote work well. It takes a different skill set to be a successful remote employee. And so here are some of the the traits that are very important that you need to hire for if your entire business is remote. And I guess I'll also mention like a role being remote is not a magic solution for everyone. Sometimes people cannot work remotely, even if they want to, they're not cut out for it. And there's a lot of people who don't want to. So I will leave you with that, but I am going to tell you what these traits are. So the first one is strong writing skills. They have to be able to do written communication because remote workers are conveying their ideas and thoughts in writing way more frequently than when they are in the office, whether it's a Slack message, an email, you know, a document, like they have to be very good writers. So look for that. They have to have strong interpersonal skills. It requires a level of maturity and like emotional intelligence and awareness. I guess that's all, those are also skills that you want to look for is like self-awareness because you need to know when something is right for a call, when it's right to send a message. Like you have to be able to pick up on virtual cues that are even harder when you don't have like the internal or the body language, right? Or you're not sitting right next to the person. So very strong interpersonal skills. In fact, I think a Harvard Business Review, I wish I had the stat right now, I don't, but they just posted something about how the soft skills, the interpersonal skills are way more in demand from CEOs and leaders than actual like 
hard skills and intelligence, which I think is amazing. And it's about damn time. Anyways. Okay. So strong writing skills, strong interpersonal skills. They have to be a self-starter. You just have to, you have to be self-motivated. You have to be able to get yourself to work. Right. When you're at home, you have to be a self-starter. The self-awareness I already talked about, but it's so critical. I also like to call this like self-regulation. You want people who are able to kind of like self-coach themselves. They're aware of how they show up for others. They're aware of how, how others perceive them. And they really work hard to be a great teammate. And then a growth mindset is huge. They have to want to develop new skills and be willing to learn new things. They have to be open to all of that in order to do well in a remote work setting. And really, once you mastered those things, then you can add in some of the fun stuff, which I think is where people jump to first in a remote work culture. They're like, how do we do virtual happy hours? Or how do we do team activities remote? But honestly, that shit doesn't matter if you don't have, excuse my language, the other stuff down. The stuff that we just talked about is what creates culture, not team activities, happy hours, gifts. Like that is not what creates culture. Just like when you're in an office, ping pong tables, beer on tap, napping rooms, like that is not culture, even though society and the Silicon Valley has made it initially out to be that way. Like that's not culture. Culture is how you communicate, how you build trust, how you make decisions, you know, all of those things. That is culture. But once you've mastered, and who you hire, but once you've mastered those things, then you can add in the fun stuff. So bring in speakers, bring in experts, bring in thought leaders, do a book club, send care packages, send gifts. These are all great things to do. Um, you can send cookies or flowers or you know, you can do the the different virtual team building events as well. And making sure that you do all of the other things first will make sure that your team is like operating at full capacity and feeling supported. So that is my take on how to build a remote culture. Some of the resources that I've been using to further, you know, research and, and get ideas and thoughts on how to build remote cultures for my clients as well as myself when I build a team, I wanted to give them to you. So one of them I love is the website We Work Remotely. It's a job posting site, but they have a ton of guides on how to build a team and hire a remote team. There's an amazing book that I stumbled upon that I'm obsessed with called Rituals for Virtual Meetings. We'll put it in the show notes, but it's called Rituals for Virtual Meetings. I got it on Amazon. And then there's actually... Another, it's an ebook, um, Holloways, H-O-L-L-O-W-A-Y. They have a guide to remote work. And so those are great tools to read and get some ideas for how to do it. And there's a million other places out there, I'm sure. But those are the places I've been finding some really great tips. So the last thing I'll leave you with is this, is it's practice. Like try new things, figure it out, iterate as you go. I say it all the time, but leadership and, and entrepreneurship is a practice. So you can read all you want. You can, you know, attend all the seminars you want, but until you start implementing, nothing's going to change. So try doing some of these things in your business and see what happens. See how great your team can be. So thank you for tuning in to the show this week. I'm so grateful for you and all of the listeners that do. I would love it if you could share this episode with somebody that you know who may be struggling with a remote team and how to do it. 
And make sure you follow Hiring Spool on Apple Podcasts. You can follow me on Instagram or TikTok at People Principles and visit our podcast website, HiringSpool.com. I will check you out next week.